Hey guys, Anthony here. Today we have a really fun conversation with Courtney Ross. She is an instructional designer. She's a leadership consultant. She's a podcast host and a mother of two. We cover a wide range of topics here. How to make the jump from full-time to freelance work to improve your work-life balance, getting over the fear of what other people think about you, why being a teacher is not a great job if you're a parent, and most importantly, why did they make us all learn how to play the recorder when we were kids? I still know how to play hot cross buns. I'm Anthony Franzese. This is the Successful Working Parents Podcast, where we learn from busy working parents how they're able to balance it all and still thrive. Thank you for listening. On to the show. Welcome back to the Successful Working Parents Podcast, the podcast where we talk to successful working parents. My guest today, she's the founder and leadership consultant at Ross Learning Solutions. She's the host of the Next Gen Work Culture Podcast, mother of two, ladies and gentlemen, Courtney Ross. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you today. So usually we start off with a quick intro on your career, if you would share that. Yeah, sure. So the the short story is I always wanted to be a teacher from like the moment I walked into my kindergarten classroom. That's what I knew I wanted to be. And I taught music for about a decade and started right outside of Nashville, Tennessee, which of course is like known as Music City. So that was fun. There was lots of opportunities there. We moved across the state and then I taught in a really small K through 12 school for about four and a half years. And in the midst of that is when I had my kids and also COVID and all kinds of other fun stuff happened right around the same like three years. And I kind of realized that teaching wasn't working for me and my family anymore. My husband is a law enforcement park ranger and his schedule just didn't really jive with the teaching schedule. Um, He works a lot of nights and weekends and holidays and we weren't really getting any family time. And I was always super stressed. And um, that was having an impact on, you know, relationships and me as a mom. And I just decided I need to do something different. I had always wanted to be a teacher, so I didn't know what that different was. But I started exploring, um, landed on instructional design, which was is kind of like designing online um, trainings or even in-person trainings. I thought, well, that's sort of adjacent to teaching. I could do that. Upskilled, learned some things, got into that and just kind of took the leap out of teaching um, mid-year, actually, which I kind of caught some flack for, but it's what I needed to do for me and my family. Jumped out of teaching straight into a new career, and it's been a wild ride since then. Awesome. And you have two kids, right? How old are they? Yeah. One just turned two, my daughter, and my son is four. Well, almost four. (laughs) So my wife's actually principal of a high school. I don't know if I Uh told you that. So she has a lot of teacher friends. Obviously, she used to be a teacher. I have other teacher friends as well that I grew up with. Yeah. I feel like it's really hard and like very underappreciated. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I said I wanted to always be a teacher. And like growing up, I knew I wanted to be two things. I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to be a teacher. And I thought that those two things would be very easy to do simultaneously. (laughs) You know, everyone thinks like teachers, they have the best schedule for raising kids because they're off on all the same days as their kids and all that. But like, no, it was really, really challenging, Um, especially... We're like four hours from family, so I didn't have any other support for when I had to do like parent-teacher conferences or in-service days or all these, you know, days where I can't bring my kids with me, but I do still have to be there as a teacher. Plus just all the extra like duties and it's not just like a 
eight to three thirty job, as you well know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was always grading and worrying about my students and lesson planning on the weekends and at night, and it's super stressful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also I I feel like I always heard it was, it was a good job to have as a parent because you kind of have yeah. a similar schedule to the kids, but I feel like it's a it's not a job where you just like clock out and it's over for the day. No, not at all. And that's that started to be what was part of the problem for me is I work in a really, I was in a really low socioeconomic area. I had a lot of students that um, I was like making those phone calls to the, you know, DCS Department of Children's Services and like having to report things and hearing all of their baggage every day because I was their band director and music teacher and they were really close to me. So they would share all that with me. And like, I was so grateful that they felt safe telling me those things, but also it really starts to like weigh on you just worrying about them all the time. And it was like I had 30 kids instead of two. No, I totally understand that. My, my wife has a similar situation. She's in, out, out in Brooklyn mm-hmm. at high school. Um, yeah. Let's talk about you know, the sirens in the background. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about making the jump from full-time worker to freelancing. I think that a lot of listeners, even if they're not teachers, yeah. have thought about how can I work on my own schedule a little bit more, work for myself mm-hmm. and, and kind of not not do the corporate thing. So let them hear maybe some of the mindset that went into making that jump and, mm-hmm. and maybe some practical steps as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I decided to leave teaching, it was around October. And so I just started to like really search for positions. And I was looking for full-time work. I was hoping to get the corporate kind of gig, but I needed to work from home mostly because there's just a lack of opportunity where we are. I would have had to commute over an hour to get to the quote unquote city. So I was looking for very specific roles, uh, working from home that would have the flexibility and I just wasn't really having any luck finding that. (laughs) Um, I actually interviewed for a full-time role, didn't get it. And they offered me a contract for eight weeks that was part-time. And I was like, sure, that's good enough. I'll figure it out. (laughs) So I had that first contract and just working part-time. And I really got to kind of set my own hours for that. We had like weekly check-ins, but other than that, I just, you know, had to get the work done and kind of caught the bug for that contract work kind of lifestyle where I got to set my own work hours and everything. And I decided to just go that route um, and kept searching for, part-time or short-term contracts instead of searching for full-time work. Now, I'm in a position where I didn't have to worry about benefits um, because all of our insurance and everything is through my husband and his employer. So that was a huge relief there because that that's definitely something you have to consider if you're going to try to do freelancing or contract work instead of full-time. I think that's the biggest hurdle for a lot of people. Um, but the, I guess the mindset at first I was like terrified of it. (laughs) And then I realized that it was really, it worked well for my family, um, for me to be able, like for a while we were taking every Friday and going to a gymnastics class together as like a family as a mommy and me kind of class. And, you know, so we had fun family Fridays and I was able to do that because I worked on Saturday and Sunday instead to make up the days, the hours that I didn't work on Friday. Um, so I basically, you know, fit in work whenever I can. And as a mom and our daycare, we're only like a few days a week. And with my husband's weird work schedule, like that works for me. So oftentimes with, with entrepreneurship, it can involve working more because you're just, you're, it's kind of yeah. on you to like build a business and, and also just like stressing about it more. Yeah. So I'd love to hear like your experiences. Has it been 
better? Has it been better work-life balance? Has it been less hours of work? Has it like, do you mm-hmm. miss kind of a, a full-time role like you used to have or has it been for the best? Yeah, it's definitely been for the best, but there is, um, you know, some struggle there to disconnect, especially now um, my desk and everything is in our living room. So it's very difficult to not just work all the time or, you know, it's super tempting to to try to be checking emails all day or, you know, trying to always work on that that one next task while the kids are playing in the living room next to me or something. And I have to be very conscious about kind of setting when I'm working and and when I'm not. And it kind of comes and goes as, you know, a freelancer. Sometimes I have a lot of work. Um, like this week, I've got three projects that I'm working on at once and I'm going to have a lot going on. And then there may be a week you know, later on where I have nothing. So I also have to kind of think of it not on a like day to day, but more of a, at a holistic level. Um, Cause sometimes I feel real guilty. Like, oh my gosh, I worked, you know, eight or nine hours today, or I actually put in, you know, 40 or 50 hours of work this week. But I have to remember that means that there's going to be a week coming up sometime in the year where like, I'm going to be able to be more present as a mom and work less. So it really comes and goes in waves. And I also have to be really like conscious about trying to be present as a mom when I should be a mom (laughs) and not, um, you know, hustling 24 seven, because that definitely is a trap that you could fall into. What about just the act of putting yourself out there and declaring to the world what you're doing? I think another thing that holds people back is the fear of what will people think? What will people say? And so, you know, you have this job as a teacher and then you're basically saying, Hey, I'm doing this new thing now. Was it hard to put that out into the world? How, how was that? Yeah. And even just deciding to like leave, you know, teaching or a full-time role in general, there was a lot of, um, I guess, questioning from family and friends or like, uh, are you sure about that? Or, you know, you've had this really steady role and now you're just quitting for an eight week contract and you don't know what comes next. Like that sounds scary. And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's terrifying. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but I just kind of had to embrace it. Um, and I learned to take messy action to, um, just, just do it, just get it out there to stop being too worried about, um, what everyone thinks, especially like on social media. I try to be pretty active on there sharing, my stuff as I build up my brand and my business. And I could sit there and anguish over a post for, for hours if I let myself, but (laughs) I have to just kind of time block myself, be like, that's good enough, get it out there. And, you know, don't care about the haters. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's one of the things where the fear is usually worse than the actual outcome. So for instance, have you had anybody make fun of you or anybody that, you know, be like, why are you doing this? Like, Like, how has it actually ended up transpiring? Yeah, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> My parents are still like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. What exactly are you doing? What are you, what's going on with your life? You know, they don't understand. So I have a lot of like family and friends that really just don't comprehend what I'm doing yet. But nobody has like, you know, been real negative about it or made fun of me or anything. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing I notice is like, no one really cares. Like about yeah. everybody, everybody <laughs> cares about themselves, you know, which is, I think is, can be sad if you let it be sad. But I think it's also very, yeah. very freeing that if you really want to, put out a piece of content, like even if in the moment somebody thinks something about it, they have their own stuff going on. So it's, it's really yeah. not, it's just not. Yeah, people aren't, people aren't paying as much attention to you as you think they are. 
Right. Or as you're, as you're paying attention to yourself, right? Right. One of the things you've been focusing more on is how, how to develop more family-friendly workplaces for employers. That's something yeah. I've always, I've been really interested in. I started my career on like, well, I started my career on Wall Street, but after that I moved into the corporate health and well-being. So it was how to get employees healthier and more active. Mm-hmm. And now that I've become a family man myself, I've moved into the space of like how to improve things from a, a family health perspective. So I'd love to hear some of the things that you're suggesting to employers to make it a more family-friendly workplace. Yeah. So as you well know, those like policies, like uh, equitable leave and um, having enough you know, time off to be able to care for your kids or a flexible work schedule, like all of that is really great. But what I found um, even on my own podcast from talking to people and in my own experiences, what really can make a huge difference for parents and employees is their their manager, their boss. If your boss is not being supportive or is giving you crap about having to take a sick day to be with your kid or not understanding when a toddler pops up on a Zoom call, those are the kinds of things that are really kind of wearing down on parents and making them not want to work there. You know, they're going to try to go find somewhere else where they feel more supported and included and understood. So the policies are great. And that's, you know, those are really good places to start. But a lot of it comes down to making sure that your people managers, those mid-level managers that are dealing with your people every day, are treating your employees, treating the parents well and giving them that understanding and flexibility and you know caring about their kids. So for example, I had um, two administrators as a teacher and one of them, every time I was out for sick time with my kids, um, she would come by my classroom and like ask me how they were feeling when I got back. How's he doing? Was, uh, was it the flu or you know what was wrong with him? How's... I knew she cared about me and my kids, even if it was a one minute conversation, she like checked in on me. The other one, the other administrator, I'm not even sure she knew my kids' names or even remotely how old they were. And um, she actually like used me as an example of somebody who was taking way too much time off for sick kids, like in front of the rest of the faculty. So, you know, I felt really supported from one, but from the other, I definitely did not. And ultimately that's kind of what made me want to leave, uh, was not feeling like I had that support. Um, had I have had administrators or even teammates that I felt like really cared about me as a, a person and a mom and cared about the fact that I was also trying to like raise children. It's almost like having dual identities, you know, you're trying to work, but also, like raise a family. If I had had people that felt like cared about that at all, you know, I might've stayed. What can individuals do to improve their own experience? I think a lot of it comes down to communication. Sometimes, I think a lot of times, your boss may not know what you need (laughs) and you can't get mad at them or upset if they don't give you what you need, if they don't know what you need. Um, so there's like the pregnant worker fairness act that just passed, uh, in the last year or so. And a big part of that is that you have to have a conversation with your boss about what kind of accommodations you need in pregnancy. And, um, you know, they have to give you the accommodations, but for example, if you don't tell them you're pregnant until your second or third trimester, which a lot of women do, but you have a really rough first trimester with like super horrible morning sickness or something. You can't get mad that your boss is like 
you know, why are you late to this call? Or why right, did you right. come into work today? You can't get mad at them if they don't know what's going on. Um, and I think that's a lot of it, um, not just during pregnancy, but even as the kids get older, you know, and if you're feeling like they don't support you or understand you or whatever, a lot of it may need that you be that you need to just kind of address them and, and talk about it. How could somebody know when it maybe they should leave their job versus when they should stay? Yeah. Um, I know a lot of times it's it's tough to even decide to leave because there's so many other factors you have to consider. Um, and it's a tough job market right now. <laughs> but I think that if you're constantly coming home stressed and feeling just deflated and not enjoying your work culture or your work like people or your job at all, it might it might be time to start start searching elsewhere. You know, yeah. you should have a little bit of enjoyment out of what you're doing at least and you know have have some camaraderie with the people around you or feel like you're in a a safe and accepting environment um and if you're not feeling that even after having some conversations and you know with your boss or with HR or with whoever then it might be time to try to move on talk to me about the next gen work culture podcast yeah. So I've very recently rebranded. We were uh, Playgrounds and Paychecks and it was mostly geared towards parents, but now it's Next Gen Work Culture, which is for really for like HR professionals and managers will be the primary audience there. And just trying to help them understand how to better support working parents. So I've interviewed, um, the company of dads. And we talked about like parental leave and why it's important to have equitable leave policies. I'm going to be talking with a, a sleep consultant and talking about how like a lack of sleep is such a like detriment to employees and how employers can help or why they should care about it. Um, so there's going to be a lot of really interesting conversations and topics just to help those people managers or policymakers understand how they can make their work culture as family and parent friendly as possible. Yeah, we just got through the sleep the sleep training phase, so it's been a really big, Oof. a big, a big uh, win for us uh, getting out, yeah. of, getting out of that waking up every three hours zone. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. <laughs> it's really it's it's crazy how you, you get used to it, and then you're like, once your body sleeps like a full night one night, you're like, oh, mm -hmm. oh shit, this is what it was supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> And then you're like terrified the first night the baby doesn't cry at all. You're like, oh God, are they okay? I know. <laughs> just for eight hours. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I, I keep looking at the monitor and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm getting getting used to it. Yeah. But yeah. She's been sleeping. It's funny though. They call it sleep training, but it's really just like making them cry <laughs> until they stop. Yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, basically. When I heard parents say, oh, we sleep train them. I thought, oh, that might be, it sounds like an interesting thing, but it's. At the end of the day, you have to kind of let them put themselves to sleep is really the... Yeah, that's the only way we figured it out, too. Yeah, Our yeah. daughter, she's two, and we're we're still kind of in it a little bit with oh, her. Really? Yeah. The last month or so has been good, but whew, December was rough. I don't know if it was just the holidays and like sleeping in different places when we travel to see family or what, but we had to go through a whole nother like sleep training, let her cry it out kind of deal when we got uh, back into a routine. Man, stuff. Yeah. So, so don't feel like you're out of the woods yet. It might oh, come okay. back up again. <laughs> just really, really burst my bubble there. But uh, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, um, so so you're you're running this this business. You have the podcast. You have the family. How do you juggle all of that? What are some of the ways that you found to to manage that? Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, a good to do list app keeps me sane. 
<laughs> because I've got the mommy brain and things, if I don't write it down or like capture it immediately, it's gone. So I just kind of have an app on my phone. I use Todoist, but there's lots of different apps you can use. Um, I also have uh, Maple, which is a, a fabulous app for parents. We do all of our like meal planning and scheduling and everything in there. Yeah. So yeah. Shout out to Maple. We had them both. We've had them both. We both had them on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I love Maple. Yeah. Um, so just finding some way to like capture things as it flies through your brain and then organize it later. Um, so I sit down like every Sunday night and plan out my week for the or my tasks for the week. So I'll sit there and sort out what I need to work on each day. Like what are high priorities for me in the business? And I also do all of our meal planning and order groceries on Sunday nights or Sunday afternoons too. So I have to have that time for me. It's like, if I don't do that, if I skip over that Sunday evening, like planning time, the week is just garbage. (laughs) So I have to have some time to prioritize, to look at things, to go through our personal schedules. You know, I compare my husband's schedules to mine, like who's doing what drop-offs this week? What nights do we need to have dinner in the crock pot? What night can I spend a little more time in the kitchen? And then for me, I kind of fit work around that. You know, first I look at our personal lives and our kids and what's going on and then figure out which days are going to be my like really hard focus days, which days do I need to just do all the quick little tasks and uh, kind of go from there. What about self-care? How do you make time for yourself? Do do you? I, (laughs) I, that was probably one of the biggest differences for me when I left teaching because when I was teaching, I was not taking care of myself at all. Um, And I was as a result, super stressed and super unhealthy. And I I told myself, like, now I have the time when I left, like I have, you know, I'm working from home. The kids were still in daycare full time at that point. So I'm like, I have the house to myself for at least seven hours a day. I don't have an excuse to not go for a run or do some yoga or something for 15 minutes a day, at least something, you know? So I told myself, like I forced myself to really get into a routine and it made such a difference in my mental health. Like it didn't take long for me to immediately start to see results and just made that something that I have to do. It's a habit. It's actually on my to-do list every day in my app (laughs) exercise 8am every morning. It's like the first thing on my list. So I know I have, like, I make sure I get it done. And we just joined the gym. Um, actually, that's where I just came from this morning before we hopped on here. So I'm like uh, really, really intentional about making sure I get some sort of movement into my day every day. What's the deal with recorders? Is that really the best instrument for all, all, of, us, all of us to start with? <laughs> oh, gosh. So they are a good instrument, but Lord, they're they're horrible to listen to, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. that's like instrument number one. Like that's just the starter instrument for everybody. That's how yeah, it is. It is a good starter because it's so simple. Um, but it's also very similar to like a lot of the band instruments. If you go on to play any of the woodwind instruments, the fingering systems are pretty similar. You can kind of relate back to if you learned recorder. Yeah. Uh, and it's very easy to produce a sound. It doesn't take a lot of like air pressure or a huge amount of air in your lungs like some of the instruments do. So it is a really good place to start. Although I prefer and hope that my children will start on piano (laughs) even younger because recorder is great around like third, fourth, fifth grade. Um, But you can start a kid on piano or even violin when they're like four. Yeah. 
Um, Are they still teaching Hot Cross Bun? Is that still the, yeah, that still the, the go-to yeah. song? Great. <laughs> hot Cross Buns. And then usually the second song is like Buns Cross Hot or something, some stupid title for basically just playing the notes backwards. <laughs> wow. you know, I don't think I was that advanced. I think I, ha- I, think I had to stop at Hot Cross Buns. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We're going to move to the final <laughs> segment called uh, Courtney's Advice Corner. So I'm going to ask you for some advice on a few topics. You ready? Okay. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this episode, all I ask is that you subscribe. If you're already subscribed, leave a review. It's the best way to help grow the podcast. Now, back to the show. Well, first one, speaking of recorders, how can parents encourage their kids to get into a musical instrument? Yeah, so I um, just enrolled our four-year-old in his first official music class. He's in choir at a local homeschool co-op. But long before that, like we just music is a part of our life around the house. So we sing lullabies at bedtime. We have dance parties as often as possible. Um, I have instruments laying around just because I was a music teacher and I let them kind of explore on that. But even just like beating out a drum beat on the kitchen table or something, just letting them explore and be musical from a very young age. They actually have like a super innate ability to keep steady beat and um, sing on tune and stuff. And usually that's somewhere along the line, like gets forgotten or even kind of snuffed out by an adult. (laughs) So just letting them be their musical selves and trying to encourage that from the time that they're really little and then trying not to like force them too much onto a specific instrument. Like I love the cello. I think it makes the most beautiful sound. I personally play flute. I would be ecstatic if my kids learned to play either of those instruments. But my son right now says he wants to be a drummer. I'm like, okay, if you want to be a drummer, I'll let you be a drummer. <laughs> you know, right. yeah. I'm going to let them kind of choose which direction they want to go and which instrument they're the most drawn to, because then they're going to be much more motivated to learn it. Sure. What advice do you have for somebody that feels like their workplace isn't super accommodating to a working parent? Yeah. So, um, so first I would say, try to talk to your manager or your boss. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, try to have that conversation and make sure it's not coming from a place of just not knowing or not understanding. And then if you have to, maybe talk to somebody in like HR or a little higher up about what's going on and maybe try to bring in some like education and like advocacy uh, if you have to, you know, maybe they just don't understand. So like bring the facts to them. Let's say that you're breastfeeding and getting a lot of like pushback from that. Learn your rights and what your employer is supposed to do for you and take that to them because maybe they just don't know. Um, and then if, you know, you're still not successful, maybe try to find somewhere that is going to be more supportive. Cause there are definitely a lot of great companies out there that are treating parents, right? What's your number one piece of advice for busy working parents? Oof, just hang in there. <laughs> just hang in there. It's a wild oh, yeah. ride. Um, embrace it, you know, and try as hard as it is, try to be present with your kids when you're with your kids. Yeah. What is the best advice you've ever received? I don't know if this really counts as like advice, but <laughs> growing up, my, my parents always encouraged me to like be myself. They never tried to like force me down a certain path or anything. And kind of along the way, I've had several um, teachers and stuff sort of along the same lines, like encouraging me just to, you know, do your own thing, (laughs) be independent and make my own decisions and encourage me to do what I want to do. And I think that's kind of really played out in my life right now because I'm very much doing 
what I want to do <laughs> and, you know, trying to make it work. I've, I've persevered to do what I see is going to work better for my family. So I feel like that's kind of been ingrained in me from, from a pretty young age. Yeah, that's great. What advice would you give to your former self? Honestly, I would probably tell myself to leave teaching earlier. <laughs> would you say go become terrible. a teacher? Um, no, because it was great for me in the pre-kid years. Okay. <laughs> I did love it. I absolutely yeah. love teaching. And I'm probably going to start teaching some homeschool classes and stuff soon because I do still love teaching. I just didn't love teaching public school anymore. And especially once I had kids and being so far from any of our like, you know, their grandparents or anything to help. Um, so I wouldn't say don't be a teacher. I did enjoy it. And I did learn a lot from that phase of life. It just didn't work out for me anymore. And I think I tried to stick it out for way too long because I'm stubborn. And also because that's all I had ever considered myself as like from yeah. literally from the time I walked into kindergarten, that's all I pretty much ever wanted to be. Right. So I was terrified of trying to do something else. And I, I think I would tell my myself about two years ago or maybe three or four years ago, like, it's okay to give up and try something different. All right. Last question. By the time this comes out, I think my daughter will probably be seven or eight months old. So mm -hmm. what advice do you have for me as a father of a seven to eight month old daughter? Oh, gosh. So, well, you've already made it through sleep, basically, yeah. you uh -huh. said. <laughs> That's yeah. like the hardest thing around that age. I and guess. that was everybody's uh, advice a few months ago. Everybody's <laughs> advice used to be like, get sleep. Yeah, get some sleep. No, just enjoy it. I think that time is really fun. So you're getting close to like being super mobile. And is she like crawling a lot already? No, we're we're in a great yeah. spot where like she's not moving yet, but she's has like a personality yeah. and like interacts with us and stuff. So it's been nice. Yeah. So you're you're probably getting pretty close to her being on the move. So make sure the house is um safe. That mm -hmm. <laughs> she's not gonna pull anything over on her when she starts trying to learn to stand up because they will try to stand up on everything. Um, even the things you don't think they would try to pull up on and just enjoy it. Cause it's fun. Like there's so many milestones I think that happen so quickly right around, like when you're getting close to a year old, you know, they stand up, they crawl, they walk, and they, all these things like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Um, so just, just enjoy the ride. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Courtney, this has been a great conversation. Where can the audience go to connect with you or learn more about you? Anything you'd like to share? Yeah, so I'm on um, Instagram or LinkedIn. Insta, I'm at NextGenWorkCulture. On LinkedIn, just search Courtney Ross. And you can also find me at RossLearningSolutions.com. Awesome. Courtney Ross, ladies and gentlemen. Courtney, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.